about what all of this means to us in our lives today in the 21st century. Um, thank you that it's all so still so relevant to to what's going on in our world, what's going on in our lives. Pray that your spirit would be on Gordy as he speaks today, that you would open our hearts, open our ears and our minds to hear and see what you're saying to us and to receive it. Amen. Is it good morning, Lord, or good Lord, it's morning? What are, where are you at this morning? So, um, so today, uh, I felt uh, led to uh, my... <laughs> Put that. That would be fun. To uh, lead you in a lectio today on our our Advent text, and if you're not familiar with lectio, uh, it's okay because I'll lead you through it. And if it's your first time, it's a good it's a good practice to to familiarize yourself with. Um, it partly was because of the kind of week I had, <laughs> which is why I'm doing this. It um, takes a little less preparation. But as I thought about it, I felt it was God's wisdom. Just because of the season we're in, I feel like it's not just about me. It's, it's definitely about us as a church. So to, I, the, the, the theological part of me um, wants to provide a little bit of a backdrop. Um, you're not supposed to really do that with Lectio. But I feel that with this, we sh I should provide you a little backdrop on our text. Bob and Anna, or Anna already read it as they lit the Advent candle this morning. And of course, it's the story of when uh, Mary went to visit her cousin, Elizabeth. And so if Mary and Elizabeth are cousins, what does that make John and Jesus physically? Second cousins, right? So there was a relationship, physically, uh, a, a family relationship between John and Jesus. And it's that wonderful story where they first encounter each other. So a couple of things I want you to keep in mind as we go through our Lectio. First of all, the story of Elizabeth is the story of, of a seeming dead end. One of the most precious and prized hopes that a, a, a young woman would cherish in Israel's time, in that patriarchal society, uh, especially, it was, it was more than just the, the natural desire to have children, there, there was a whole bunch of stigma that was attached to not being able to bear children. And so Elizabeth's desire to, to get married and to have a child was, was, was a longing that she carried, and of course, it went year after year after year after year until Scripture says she and her husband were too old to have children. And so it, it was a story of a dead end. It was a story of a hope that was deferred that made the heart sick. Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever had a dead end in your life? Or is there a particular 
hope that you've nourished, that you felt cursed, because that's how barrenness was. It was regarded as a curse. Um, maybe there's certain areas of your life where you do well, but your finances suck, or you struggle with an addiction, or a family member is in constant pain, and you have relationship conflict. But where is there a point in your life where you feel like you've hit that dead end and you just feel stuck? And, of course, this is the story, and this happens a lot through the Bible, whether it was Sarah with Abraham, or Rachel with Jacob, or Rebecca with Isaac, or Manoah's wife, Hannah. Uh, Manoah's wife was Samson's mom. And Hannah, of course, was Samuel's mom. It just seems... That scripture loves these narratives where uh, the impossible occurs with regards to birth and new beginnings. And I think that says something about the character of God. I think that tells us something about, about what God is like. But the question is, why does God seem to enjoy, and I don't want to project that on God, but it, why does God seem to enjoy bringing us to these dead ends? Why is it? Is it possible that the whole call of the kingdom of God, which came through John the Baptist's message, remember we talked about this a couple weeks ago, is it perhaps because the whole call to the kingdom of God is a call to a beginner's mind, and we don't like giving up what we think too easily without a little bit of help called pain? We don't like to change. The fact is we don't change without pain. And so this sense of a dead end is often God's way of helping us think again. Remember how, how many of the people of Israel, John the Baptist called and he said, start over again. Start with a beginner's mind. And he so insulted the theologians and the rabbis of the time, these very proud Jews who prided themselves in being the children of Abraham, he so insulted their intelligence by telling them to get baptized, which was a common initiation that the Jews would provide for Gentiles to become part of the people of God. Can you imagine a proud Jew, a rabbi, a PhD, double PhD Jew being told by John the Baptist, you want to be ready for God's new order, you got to begin again you got to go to the same doors, that tax collector, that prostitute, that drug addict, that Gentile over there. you gotta, you got to go the same route as them. How many think that might have been a bit offensive? Huh? But who responded? Who responded? Who responded to John? Who responded to his message? Jesus said to the Pharisees, the harlots and the tax collectors heard John and they entered the kingdom before you did. Because when you're broken, when you're weak, when you're confronted with your vulnerability and that there's no answers for you, you've, you've come to the you're dead end. You're ready to receive the kingdom of God. And that's the only prerequisite. Unless you become as a little child and receive the kingdom as a little child, Jesus says, receiving a gift on Christmas morning, you won't enter in. But we don't like that. We like to have our, our boxes that we check, check off. I'm in now. Isn't that what the rich young ruler did? He had all his boxes checked. And Jesus said, you need to get your box busted, buddy. 
right? How many have had your box busted a few times? So it helps us begin again. And of course, I love Luke's narrative. And we'll, we'll get into it here. Luke's narrative is the weakness in power. So Luke, uh, what's unique about Luke as a biblical writer? We've talked about this. Hmm? He wasn't an apostle. That's right. He wasn't in the inner circle there. He's a doctor. Gentile. Probably the only Gentile author in the scriptures. So Luke loves to start his narrative, and it starts with two women. I mean, and Zechariah, he's the bad guy. <laughs> he, he, he's Elizabeth's husband, and he, he gets shut up for six months because he won't believe, right? And then Joseph isn't even mentioned in Luke 1 for Mary, and Luke is this Gentile who's a champion of women. And all through the, the gospel of Luke, he, he, he doesn't just talk about Naaman the Syrian for Elijah the prophet. He talks about the little widow. He doesn't just talk about the shepherd who finds a sheep. He talks about the woman who lost a coin. And, he, and you see this pattern, this inclusion, this radical inclusion of Luke the Gentile who has experienced the grace of God and is so excited that everybody matters to God. The beginner's mind is needed for that. That as that proud Pharisee goes into the waters of baptism, he's right on the same level and plane as that tax collector and that prostitute on either side of him. That's the good news. That's the good news. The problem is it's sometimes not good news for those of us who are really proud of our righteousness and our accomplishments in our spirituality and we need a beginner's mind and so this dead end thing that happens that God seems to keep bringing me to over and over again in my life I'm realizing is a grace from God it's a gift from God it's a blessing even though it feels like a curse like I'm sure Elizabeth's barrenness felt like so with that in mind we're reminded that the good news is 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 that we are called to worship a God who defines himself in terms of the weak and oppressed, and that he works most mightily with the most powerless and those whose lives are defined as impossible. So I want to invite you into Lectio. So I want you to just get comfortable where you are and um, sit alert with your eyes closed. So go ahead and do that. Take a few deep breaths. And then breathe normally again after you've done that two or three times. Just relax into your breathing. Take some time to let go of the past and the future and come fully into the present right now. And know that Jesus is with you right now where you are. He's present with you. And as you're sitting there in the silence, just listen. Listen to your life. What's emerging right now is positive 
or negative feelings, emotions, energy. And just like we did at the beginning of the service, just begin to feel the energy of what you're, of, of, of that and open your heart to meeting God in connection with that. And if nothing emerges, it's okay. But just open yourself to that because it might come as we walk through the Lectio. All right, so we're going to read the text in a moment. So I just want you to continue to listen to what's happening with you and in you. And as we read the text, listen for a word or a phrase or an image that attracts you as you listen. Or maybe there's an aversion. It doesn't say that in there, but it, sometimes there's an aversion that you might feel. Something that there's a dissonance. Notice that too. Let it enter your heart by repeating it over and over to yourself softly and lovingly during the silence that we will give you after the reading. If you're in a group, when, when I, and that's with us, I'm going to invite you to signal... I'll give you a signal to just speak out that word or that phrase. Don't elaborate on it. Don't preach about it. But just speak out the phrase or the word that kind of stood out to you as we, we walk through the reading. So I'd like maybe a couple of you to be prepared to help me with the reading in a minute. I'll read the first time. But it would be nice to have different voices, male, female voices, uh, in this, so if I could have some women also uh, be ready to help me with this, that would be great. But I'll read the first time, kind of set the tempo for it. Let's just go into silence for a moment and then I'll read. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? 
As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. So we're just going to go back into silence. So let that word or phrase or image that attracted you or got your attention as you listen enter your heart. And uh, just repeat it to yourself lovingly in the silence. And then when I signal, I'll give you a call for just some of you to speak out. So just for the sake of the podcast, I'm going to repeat what I hear from you, but just uh, different ones of you, just, just call out what, what you heard or saw. Leaped. But why am I so favored? Blessed is she who believed. Fulfilled his promises. Sorry? Filled with the Holy Spirit. So just allow whatever that phrase or word is, even if you feel right now it's a bit of an educated guess. There's, there's times where I feel it's more prominent than others, and that's okay. But take whatever your nudge was or you sensed, and we're going to ask the, we're going to read it again, and we're going to ask the question, how is my life touched by what is given? Let the word, phrase, or image interact with your present life experience. So remember, we started with what's, what's the energy you're feeling, the positive or negative, the emotions. Where, where is Jesus with you? Ask how that word or phrase interacts with that. That's going on. What does this word evoke in me? What part of me resonates with the word that is given? And so allow the connection to rise naturally.
in your being. Sit with that impression during the silence after the reading. So would someone like to come? Maybe a woman could come and read this. Sandra, would you be willing? At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child that you will bear. But why am I so favored? that the mother of my Lord should come to me. As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Thank you. So let's just go into silence with that reading. So as we prepare for our final invitation, our reading, what invitation is here for me? Given the connection that is emerging between the word and your life, what might God be wanting to do for you today? What invitation, reassurance, encouragement, clarity might God be offering me in this moment? Ponder what arises during the silence following the reading and Trust what comes. As, as Elizabeth received what came through her door, as Mary received, trust what comes. So if I could have one more reader.
At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to the town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she explained, Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. Thank you. So just invite you again back into silence just to listen for God's invitation. In a perfect world, uh, we would take more time, but we're a little bit restricted by our, our time restraints with kids' church and everything today. So what I'd like you to do is, I'd like to integrate this with community, which is a wonderful way to involve Electio Divina and actually community life. And I'd like you to form groups of three, probably four at the very most, uh, but three might be ideal. And so, what you'll do is just give a sense of your invitation, just kind of go around the group, or if you're not free to share, sometimes there's just vulnerability, and, or you're just not sure, uh, feel free to pass. And then after each person is shared, um, pray for the person on your right. So just go around the circle, and you can pray silently, um, I, I love a lot of times in our leadership team meetings now, people are giving a two-minute just what we call a check-in, kind of what their consolation and desolation is in their life right now. And even though it's not long, it's very tender. And we actually pray by just holding what they've said in their heart. We're doing this in our small group as well. And I've just found that silence is a powerful form of intercession. It's the kind of intercession that Job needed when his friends were with him, if they could have just shut up, right? They were okay for the first few days. <laughs> but it's hard. It's hard to stay quiet. But I'm not saying that we shouldn't pray audibly. I'm just saying that if you're not sure what to pray, 
it is powerful just to hold that person in your heart. So feel free to take a moment or so to do that. And then feel free to just interact a little bit. Can we do that? So let's take 10 minutes right now, and I'll call you back. Groups of three or four. So I'd like to call you back. Thanks, everybody, for participating. Is there anyone who... Actually, because we're short on time, Rose, if I could have you come up and just... Let's welcome Rose. She's done the, the hard work of spearheading this, this wonderful, wonderful initiative for the Atira Project. <laughs> so does anybody have anything that... Uh, Hey, Bobby, good to see you. Um, anybody have anything just burning in you that you wanted to share that came out of your, the invitation time? I don't want to miss it. If It's okay if you don't, but I just wanted to quickly give you that opportunity. I really feel that this um, is a real uh, appropriate action based on our reading today because it's how the Lord takes the broken, shattered, dead ends of our life and brings life and beauty. And that's certainly here uh, in Rose's story and what's happening today. So uh, why don't you share a little bit about kind of how this all happened and then tell us what to do. So I, I would just like to share something from my own life to help you to really understand why um, our shoebox campaign, our gift bag campaign is so important. So uh, for years we did Chili Wagon and we gave them out through that. That was Avenue. So then we had a couple years where we didn't do anything and I really felt like God just rose something in me that we needed to continue as a church to give at Christmas time. Um, I really feel very strongly that Christmas is a gift of love that we were given the ultimate gift through a wee little baby. And um, so I'd like to share with you about that gift of love and what it means in a shelter. So um, there's been a few times in my life where I've been homeless. And um, in 1991, I was homeless as a single mom with um, a newborn baby and, oh, this is hard, <laughs> and a two-year-old. and. Um, I was very fortunate because my church family and my um, um, from my foster families from my youth stepped up and they took care of me and my kids. But you see, when I was a child, um, there was a lot of violence, alcoholism. Um, there was rent not being paid because there was no money, and we would have to go on the run. And so I remember this one Christmas um, where I was in a shelter um, at Christmas time. And I brought a prop. This is my only childhood toy that I have. This is Alexander. And he's, he's a little rough around the edges because he's older than me. <laughs> but he, um, whenever, as a child, I sensed that the run was happening, for whatever reason, I ran for Alexander. So he was my only possession, other than the clothes on my back sometimes. So some of these women coming into Atira may not even have an Alexander. If they're fortunate, they have a garbage bag with their clothes in it. Because they, Atira specifically deals with women of violence, 
who are um, running for their safety. So Atira is a 33-room, one-year transition house. So they come into an emergency shelter, which is another part of Atira, and, and then we specifically sponsor the Empress Rooms as a part of Atira, but they also have shelters for women and children, which are out in Surrey. And so um, I really feel like these gift bags that we give say to the women, I see you. You matter. You are loved. Because for some of these women, they may only have whatever their representative is of Alexandra. And I can remember um, at 12 years old um, being given a toothbrush. And this was a big deal because I went through seasons in my life as a child where I didn't even have a toothbrush and I didn't brush my teeth. And we're giving these women things like toothbrushes and soap and shampoo, but we're also giving them gloves and hats and um, some treats and some things that they just, that are luxuries that we just couldn't give them. They're not a lot in the gift bags, but for them, it's worth a fortune. So if you so know someone in your life who's on the fringes, who's alone, take the time to say, I see you. You matter. How beautiful. I was just reading the story of Zacchaeus this morning and how, you know, nobody, nobody sets out to become a tax collector like he did. Nobody, nobody decides to become a drug addict or a prostitute or a, or, or a criminal. Nobody decides to do that and, and says, you know, that's my dream, that's my hope. It, it, life happens and things get messed up. And then you, you, you try to find your, your trees when you hear that Jesus is, is, is available somewhere. You try to find your trees to climb. To, to get a glimpse of him. And what we need is for him to look up and see us and say, I'm coming to your house. And so I feel this is, this is the way Jesus is saying to people who's, where life has, has just turned sideways, but through things done to them, through all kinds of un, unplanned, unexpected things, Jesus is saying, you matter, and I'm coming to your house. And I feel that's what we're doing through these gifts today. So our ministry time is going to be that. We're just going to, I think, do some cards. I think a lot of it's been done, I heard. So, Rose, do you want to, do you want to give us instructions as to what we do? And if you can stay, uh, if, you can, if, you want to, if it helps you work by grabbing a coffee, you can do that. Uh, Gord's already there. Way to go, Gord. Good leadership there. It's good. Um, I just had the Holy Spirit breathe about a word about solidarity. Uh, you know, Zacchaeus climbed the tree. I mean, that's to his credit. Maybe some of us feel like we got to climb a tree in order to see Jesus. We got to do something a little bit different. Uh, but really, when someone like Francis came today and we prayed together about, you know, lower posts and our vision for seeing First Nations people raised up and God's plan, purpose for them, it gave me a, a stronger sense of solidarity, pulled me out of my sense of frustration and hopelessness. Because we've had these promises for so long about 
Laura Poster about the First Nations people. So just this word of solidarity is, is finding someone that can just really agree with you about God's promises. It's really important because we tend to get isolated. So little Zacchaeus, he's a shrimpy guy and he climbs a tree. But then Jesus went to his home and they had solidarity in that home. So we got to, we got, uh, this is what I feel like God is saying to many of us that we tend to be isolated in our culture. And we need to be in solidarity with at least two or three others about God's promises for us. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Cassidy. So um, I took the time already to fill oh, more than half the ba- bags, so it won't be very long. Um, so I have it all organized downstairs in the hallway um, because the kids were using the other space. So it's a little bit crowded, but. Ooh, if we just go down there, I'll uh, um, give you very quick instructions. I've sorted everything. And so, like, there's three pieces of tissue paper for each bag and, you know, a pair of gloves and whatnot. And then there's some extras that we need to count out that have been brought in this morning. And if there's 33 items, then we can add one more thing to the bags. If not, we'll just send them to the shelter and say, these are extras. Okay. And then there's um, 33 minus 6, that's 20. I don't do math anymore because of my brain injury. So we have 20, did you say 27? 27 cards that need to be filled out. So if some people just want to grab cards and put a little note in there, we'll grab some pens. People can just be doing that. And then other people can just be lining up with the bags and go bang, 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 bang. And so it should take us maybe with this, you know, if everybody helps, I bet you we'll be done in like 15 minutes. Okay. Cool. Thanks for organizing that, Rose. That's great. So we'll go down and do that. Um, thanks to everybody that contributed, um, whether by cash or by bringing things. And uh, thanks to Kirsten, who's going to be the delivery person today to Atira. So we just pray. Let's pray. I just want to pray a blessing on this. Father, we are so grateful for the opportunity to to just uh, be conduits of your mercy and your love and your compassion and your goodness. And we just pray that your Holy Spirit uh, would just fill these gifts with love and grace and tenderness and that uh, you would just touch and heal the hearts of people, that these would bring healing to them at this season in their life, that it would bring hope that they matter, that they are, they are seen, Lord, that they're not invisible, especially to you, but also to us. And so we just pray for the anointing of your Holy Spirit just to be upon our time together now. Touch our hearts, Lord, as you said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And so we pray that you'll bless us as we do this and pray that uh, your kingdom would, would come. And uh, we also pray for our Christmas Eve service tomorrow night, Lord. We ask that your presence and power would come to many people who don't normally come to church that will be with us tomorrow night, that you will, uh, through just the simplicity of who we are as a church, just telling them, reciting the story through readings and carols and art, Lord, that Sandra's put together And all that we do, the candle lighting, the symbols, Lord, would you speak the good news that 
that God has come. God has come. And we ask all these things, Lord, in the powerful name of Jesus and in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. So if it helps, grab a coffee, but we'll see you downstairs and let's get to work. God bless you.